Could you guys give a big thank you to Carrollton for being here with us? Man. Church, you messed up. You messed up big time. You've been faking it for the whole time I've been here. You have been telling me that you can't clap when the music's happening. We're good at celebrating with clapping, but this morning you successfully, for long periods of time, clapped in time with the music. Thank you and don't stop, all right? (laughs) So uh, let's keep that up. I don't know what came alive in you, but amen. Hey, we've been uh, talking about this thing called a road trip, and this morning we're asking the question, are we there yet? And I want to pause for just one minute and say how refreshing this past few weeks has been for me. And it may have not made sense to you, but honestly, i got to tell you, the last few weeks, I don't know if it's been for you, but it's been for me. Uh, These men that have preached the Word of God among our pastors and Joey last week have fed my soul, and it has been so, so good to enjoy just hearing the Word of God with you and to be encouraged and to be blessed. And so this morning I asked this question, are we there yet? One simple answer, nope. We didn't arrive last night. We didn't arrive this past Easter. We're still on this journey, and it's an exciting journey together that God is taking us on and doing many, many things through. I've had hundreds of people walk up to me and ask this question, how many? They want to know how many people are out there. And they want to know how many people made decisions for Christ, all right? Let me tell you my answers to those questions. How many people were out there? Thousands. And how many people made decisions for Christ? And I say this with confidence. Hundreds. Hundreds made decisions for Christ. Amen. And of those hundreds, I I don't know who all is here this morning, but I know there's a young lady named Brandy here this morning that received Christ this weekend, and we just celebrate God coming into her life and changing her. Uh, Let let me uh, just tell you, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out what all God did on Friday night and what God did on Saturday night and what he did as a result of it. It's going to be a big, big party. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let me show you one of my favorite picks from the weekend right here. Absorb that for just a moment. Those two sweet, dear ladies that, um, like many of you, served tirelessly all weekend long, finished their shift doing whatever it is that they did, and uh, they just sat down uh, right there. I mean, they're, they're really close to the stage. I don't know if you can tell how close they are. And they sat there and worshiped all the way to the end. And I just praise God for every one of you that served. I want to say especially to those of you that are ahead of us, some of us in our journey, you've been doing this longer than we have, you've been in life longer than we have, and you're still believing in Jesus, you're still loving people, and you're still serving people. Thank you so, so much. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through verse 5. It's going to help me express my heart to you this morning, church. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3, and we're going to keep kind of looking through just a few verses in Philippians this morning. Paul expressing his heart for the church in Philippi, and it expresses my heart to you this morning, the church here. He says, every time I think of you, and I don't know if you know this or not, but your pastors 
think of you often. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Drop on down to verse number 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you, I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ, the day of Christ's return. He goes on in the book of Philippians to talk about many things. He begins to talk about attitude. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do everything. Everybody say everything. Everybody say everything with just a little bit of oomph. Say everything. Do everything without complaining and arguing. How many of you, and I'm going to participate, how many of you are just honestly really, really good at complaining? I'm participating. How many of you are just naturally got a gift to argue? How many of you want to raise your hands for your kids right now? How many of you want to raise your hand for your spouse? Please don't do it. Please don't do it for the sake of the argument. Don't do it. Just don't do it. (laughs) Do everything. Show up on Sunday morning without complaining and arguing. Go to work on Monday without complaining and arguing. Go through your marriage without complaining and arguing. Raise your children without complaining and arguing. Interact with other people without complaining and arguing. Interact with other not-headed people without complaining and arguing. Right? Man. Let me tell you what. Let me, let me tell you what I saw uh, this, this week. Tell you real quick about the weekend. I, I don't know if you know how much trash that tens of thousands of people can produce. Uh, it is incredible. And it's just, it's just what happens. And uh, I don't know how many trash cans are available in the state that we could have purchased. We couldn't have purchased enough of them to hold it all. Um, and so you get done, and it's just, it's not people being messy. It's just people, and uh, this whole field is just, like, littered, literally, in just nasty, nasty trash. In fact, when I shook hands with a few folks this morning, I asked them if they washed their hands before they came today because I saw in minutes... Many of you and others, just without complaining and arguing, reached down and picked up the leftover filth that was there, and in moments it was cleaned up. It's amazing what people can accomplish when they do it without complaining and arguing. People showed up this weekend, many of you, and you just said, what do you need me to do? And we would tell you those bizarre things, and you would just be like, okay. This week... Not at Amplify, I'm just cruising through the hospital to go see somebody, and we see a group of ladies that are at the hospital, you know, in the hall, and 
And when you just interact with them, you know why they're there and they're in this room this morning. You know why they're there? They're just there loving on people. They got friends, they got people to know about, and they're just there without complaining, without arguing, just like loving on people. We had a man in our church this week whose friend died, and the family asked him to stand and speak at the funeral, and he very humbly and I think uh, very um, um, fearfully yet boldly stood and just proclaimed the love of Jesus at that funeral without complaining, without arguing. So many of you throughout the days do things without complaining and arguing. It makes such an impact on the kingdom of God. Man, when we come together and we just say, God, what do you want me to do? Not, I, here I am and here's what I can do and here's what I want to do. And because of who I am, I'm going to make the demand that I'm only going to do this at this level. I'm not stooping here. We don't get anything done when we show up and we just do what God asks us to do. Wow, amazing, amazing things happen. Thank you. Paul goes on in Philippians chapter 3 and he begins to really kind of talk about his past. And I don't know what you think about when you think about your past, but Paul was very transparent in a, a, I mean, just an incredible way of how he's just willing to say, here's who I was. And there was a lot about Paul's past that we as believers who know his name used to be Saul, we would say, man, that's a terrible, terrible past. I mean, if Saul, not Paul, name change, if Saul would have showed up this morning here, Saul I mean, he would have come in here to kill all of us. I mean, literally, he, he hunted down Christians to kill them. And at the same time, Saul was following the religious rules really, really well. And he was very, very rightfully proud of how he followed the rules. And therefore, by following the rules, how he felt like he was right with God. But he begins to talk about his past. You know what he says, man? Everything about my past failures, sins, successes, all of them are worth nothing compared to Christ. So he warns us to not get so focused on our past, whether our past was good or whether our past was bad, that we don't accomplish what God has for us. Look at verse number 12. He says, I don't mean to say, Philippians 3, verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things that he's been speaking about, about being something for Christ. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Really quick, catch on what he's saying here. He says, I'm not leaning on anything that I have done. I'm not going to get down in the muck and the mire of my sin and be stuck there. I'm also not going to put myself up on a pedestal and say, look at what I did that was good. He's saying, my righteousness is found only in Jesus Christ. And he is shaping me and he is changing me and he is moving me forward. And I'm pressing towards that. Verse number 13. No, dear brothers and sisters... I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. There are two things about our past that will cause us to get stuck. First thing is our past failures, our past failures. And I don't like have to give you a list of things for you to say, oh, yeah, I almost forgot about that. There are some failures in your life. And there are some failures in your life. 
that if you're not careful, you get completely stuck there. You don't have to be reminded about it. You know that you blew it, and you blew it big time. You know that it was a sin, and it was gross, and it was ugly. You know that you offended people. You hurt people. You maybe even destroyed relationships through it. You blew it big time. You, you just blew it for God, and there's failures there. And he said, man, if you get stuck there, you're not going to get anywhere. And he declares the gospel that we so gloriously, gladly accept and rejoice in, which is that Jesus died for your failures. He died for your sins. He died for all of those things that you have done wrong so that you do not have to get stuck there. Jesus paid for all of your failures. He paid for all of your sins. And he says, don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck in the past. The other thing that we can't get stuck in it's our past successes. I mean, some of you in the room would be glad to stand up and tell us about yourself right now, right? I mean, you just would. You'd be like, yeah, I did this, and yeah, I did that. Some of you, you know, you would, you would do something like this when you told that story. Some of, us want, some of you want to take us to your living room, or if your wife wouldn't allow that, take you to the back room and show you what's hanging on the wall, right? Show off your success. Some of you in this room could stand and tell us about your business successes. You could tell us about who you know and who you're connected with and where you went and what you've got and all those things. And he says, man, if you're not careful, you're going to get stuck there. Don't get stuck with the stuff. Don't get stuck in the stuff that you live in, that you drive, that you put on. Don't you get stuck there. Even furthermore and deeper than that, don't get stuck in the success that you've had in following Jesus. Are you hearing me? Some of us can say, man, I did this or I did that for the glory of God. Great, good, but don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. If you're not careful, you're that 45-year-old high school quarterback. And all he wants to talk about is his senior year and that ring that he still wears. He's gone through a couple marriages and doesn't really know his kids. He wants to talk about high school. God's got so much more for me and so much more for you if we won't get stuck in our past failures nor in our past mistakes. He says it's all worthless compared to Christ. It's all like dung. It's all like Horse manure compared to Christ and what he has done. What did Christ do? Christ lived perfectly here on this earth. Christ died a cruel death on the cross. And Christ rose triumphantly from the dead. That's what Jesus did. And whether you've blown it over and over and over, or you feel like you've got it all together, the only one that can bring the peace and the hope and the rescue and the future and the eternity for you is Jesus and Jesus alone. There is only one way forward on this road trip that leads to heaven and leads to the way of life, and it's the finished work of Jesus. And listen to me for just a minute, church. All of us who are part of Holland Chapel, listen to me for just a minute. Man, I love you guys, and and what I read there in Philippians 1 is my heart for you. It's the heart of our pastors for you. But the same thing applies to us as a church. We can't get stuck in our past failures. I mean, if we were to look back, I mean, I'm sure there's some things in the church that say, yeah, we tried that. It totally didn't work. We, we fell. Well, let me tell you something. We're not going to get stuck there. If God tells us to do it again, if God tells us to do it again, we're going to do it again. 
We're just going to say, okay, God, we're going to obey you. We're not going to get stuck in our past failures. We believe that you've got a plan. We believe that you've got a purpose. We're also not going to get stuck in our past successes. I mean, there's so many things that we can and we should celebrate, but we're not going to get stuck in our past success. You can't drive forward down the road successfully and safely with your eyes stuck in the rearview mirror. It's dangerous. It's absolutely destructive. So we look forward with our eyes on Christ. And as we think about looking forward, as we think about going forward the way Jesus wants us to go, look at verse number 14. Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree at some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Do you know what's happening in verse number 15? Paul is pastoring the church at Philippi. He's leading them the way God has instructed him to lead them. God's way to get the church to go forward with the gospel is through pastoral leadership. It's just what we see in Scripture over and over again. And when I say that, man, it just makes me just want to sit down with humility because I'm blown away by the thought of that. But here's what he's saying. He says, I want to lead you forward to the gospel. I want to lead you forward to becoming everything God created you to be, which is a disciple of him and a maker of disciples. And he says, I want you to get on page with that. I want you to go forward in that. And as we here are leading forward to press us forward towards the gospel, you and I being disciples of Christ, you and I making disciples together, I just want you to know a couple things really, really quick that I think are so important. Just really quick, really quick. Number one, anytime you ever see me, Kyle, the lead pastor leading our church, I want you to know I am not, I am not, I am not, and I will not lead alone. I know that you know this, but I want to remind you. I think they're all sitting around here right now. They normally come to church. Um, Nick sitting right there, who you know and love, and Josh, wherever he went to, who you know and love, and Keaton sitting right there that you know and you love, and Grant sitting right there that you know and you love, and Luke, who may be over there helping kids right now, who you know and love. Man, they come around me every single day, speak into my life. I speak into theirs. We get on our face before God. We seek his face. We get into his word. We seek wise counsel. And I just want you to know, we lead together because that's a biblical model. It's a biblical model. The other thing I want you to know really, really quick. Um, some people say, well, why are we changing this or why are we doing that? Listen to me. Tell you a story that's going to maybe help you out a little bit. My wife and I have been married 13 years. Is that correct? Got my math right? Good. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Thank you. Um, 13 years. Last week, we married 13 years. For the first time in our marriage, bought a vehicle. Do the math. Do the math. Uh, I am still gladly, gladly driving my 2000 Toyota 4Runner. I love it. Love driving it. 
If you got something new you want me to drive, you want to give me to it, I'll drive it, but I'll still enjoy hopping back in my 400. I love it. And God's made that thing last. Um, we had a, a couple of babies at one time a few years ago, and um, some uh, two people um, blessed us with a van that we are still so very, very grateful for. And we've been driving that van for years now. And this last week, um, that van that we are so appreciative of, uh, the air conditioner went out, the power steering went out. And let me show you a picture of my wife picking my kids up from school. I think it's coming. That's because the door on that side wouldn't open, which hadn't opened for like three years. And the door on that side finally just said, I'm not opening. So that was pickup at school. (laughs) If you think I like to change just for the sake of change, you just don't know me. But I will do whatever it takes for my family and for this church to move forward. So, last week, we went and bought a new to us, new to us vehicle. My family is moving forward. Moving forward. So, why did we do this? Or what? To move forward for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 17 um, oh, verse 16, sorry, let me get on the right page here. But we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. Our church turned 70 this year. You can celebrate it. Yeah. And um, there's a couple people in this room that have been around all those years. And the rest of us just get to enjoy what so many have done over the years to bring us to this place. And we're going to celebrate that big later in the year. We're making plans, and we'll let you know uh, what that's going to look like because we want to celebrate that, and it's wonderful. And I think God's got so many more wonderful things in store for us as we keep our eyes on Christ and press forward to the good news. Now, here at the end of the day, and, yeah, I think I'm okay. All right, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, and we roll up to the gates of heaven, I don't know about you, But I say, let's get as many people on the bus as we possibly can get. Are you with me? When it's all said and done, we roll in there. Beep, beep, Holland Chapel rolling in. I want as many people on the bus as possible. I went to a country called Burma. I don't know how you can put that many people inside a bus, and I don't know how you can put that many people outside a bus, but they do it. I should have shown a picture. It's just unbelievable. But I say when we get there, we roll in with as many people on the bus as possible. How is that possible? Through the gospel of Jesus, amen? I'm going to heaven because of the gospel. Anybody else with me? Because of the gospel. It can change anybody and it can change everybody. So I say as many people as we can get on the bus, let's get people on the bus. If we run out of room in the bus, let's get another bus and let's just keep going, all right? Let's get a second bus and just just keep going because at the end of the day, let's get as many people as we can many people as we possibly can on the bus. So as we're seeking God's face and his word and his plan and listening to his spirit by his help, we're going to continue on in this progress that he's given us, but we're not going to get stuck here. We're going to move forward. And we're going to see more people come to know him, more people begin to follow him. So let's get as many people as possible on the bus. Now really quick. 
Any dads in the room that just, uh, you're the driver, you know, you're the driver, you know? Anybody in the room that are dads, just like, when you drive, you're like, we're making time. There's something about boys that you can accomplish driving on a long trip that you can't with girls to help you make more time. Anybody tracking with that at all? Um, there's a difference between boys and girls. And uh, so anyway, yeah, pit stops, yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> just want to make time. Anybody that loves to drive, just um, enjoy backseat drivers. We don't need backseat drivers, church. And I'm not calling you a backseat driver. I'm just saying we don't need any. Here's what we need. We need disciples of Jesus who will make disciples of Jesus. And at the end of the day, we roll in, toot, toot, Holland Chapel rolling in. I don't know how many buses we're going to have, but I say that they ought to be overloaded with people that we, you and I, with the things we're doing, the things even people don't even know about, don't even see, as many people as possible coming to know Christ. One question, and I'll be done. Are you on the bus? Because if you're not, we want you on the bus. We want you to experience what Christ has done. We want you to trust that Jesus died for your sin. We want you to trust that he didn't stay dead, that he came back from the dead, and that he lives today, and that he can remove the sin from you and change your life forever. So for just a moment, would every one of you bow your head, close your eyes, and as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, simply want to ask this question one more time. Are you on the bus? Because if you're not, we want you on We're taking this moment right now to say we want you with us. We want you to experience the life that Jesus has for you now, and we want you to experience the eternal life that he's got for you in the future. We want you on the bus. And if Jesus is becoming real to you right now and you've never expressed your faith and your trust in him, we want you right now, right now, to place your faith, to place your trust in Jesus, to simply Tell God that he is real. To simply tell God how incredibly ugly you know your sin is. Tell God how awesome that the sacrifice of Jesus is. How that you believe that he died for you and that he rose again from the dead. And that you want to receive him into your life to forgive you and to cleanse you and to make you his own. Right now. If you need to receive Christ, we want you to receive him right now. And we're going to embrace the silence and we're going to embrace the moment and allow you to consider Christ right now.